0: Tonight, we have a one-verse sermon. (coughs) That doesn't mean it's a one-minute sermon, I don't think, but it's a one-verse sermon. It comes from the book of Proverbs, and we're gonna go to chapter 13, verse 4. Proverbs 13, 4. Now, I'm gonna actually read the New King James Version of this verse, and I'm gonna read the one I memorized, which was the New International Version as well, because when you memorize a particular version of a verse that sticks with you, and that's the one that comes to your mind. So I'll be preaching out of both uh, versions on this, but I will start with the Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs is right after Psalms, right in the middle of the Bible, and then chapter 13 verse 4. Proverbs is an excellent book on life. Uh, It has so many wise sayings. If you have no more time to read the Bible every day than to pick up the book of Proverbs and read one chapter a day, you will find it worthwhile and uh, make a practice of it. And this being, uh, this particular day is the 14th day of the month. You could go to Proverbs 14, read it on the 14th, and then on the 15th, read it on the 15th, and, and you could go through the entire Proverbs in a month. It's a good little plan that you can have. So Proverbs 13:4. Here's what the New King James Version says. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The uh, version i memorized said, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. May the Lord bless his word as we have it read into our hearts today. And And the theme of this message is how to become diligent. Diligence is a, a very uh, important thing, and it's uh, very under practiced. Believe me, diligence, there's a reason why some people tend to be, and if we can have those lights turned on just a little bit more, uh, in fact, because uh, it was sunny earlier, now it's not. Thank you, Mr. Walter. That, uh, he's a fine young man, that Walter. <laughs> I don't know about the fine part. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you, Walter. So we look at diligence, and I, I don't think too many honest people would claim to be diligent in every area of their life. I think most of us realize that diligence is one of those things that we never arrive at, but we try. But we're all relatively diligent. Isn't that correct? We uh, we are more diligent in some areas than in others. Uh, and we learn lessons. And I'd say that if you have... Uh, more decades uh, behind you than you have before you, you probably think, well, I used to be worse than I am. So you probably learned a lot of the lessons the hard way about the lack of diligence. So, but, but the thing is about diligence is that God actually encourages us to be diligent people. And it is this verse that it really struck me that there are people who are sluggards Uh, They don't ever, it's called being lazy, but they desire, there's nothing wrong with their desires. They have plenty of desires that, you know, typically a person who's a sluggard who works out in the public, they always think they're overqualified for every job, okay? They typically think some work is beneath them and they tend to always make excuses for everything that doesn't get done. And it is a practice I've seen in life that uh, these folks often uh, push the blame for everything on somebody else and yet they still are first in line to demand their rights as a worker and their rights as this and their rights for that. Uh, So they have plenty of desires and they're always wanting things and accumulating whatever they can. but, (laughs) But the thing is, you, they're not diligent. So the sluggard craves. So does a diligent person. We all want things. I mean, how many of you just look forward to ha- having an uncomfortable bed upon which to sleep, or or some clothes that just don't fit you right? Like my shirt doesn't. At least it's not too tight. It's fine. It's loose, but. Uh, But nevertheless, nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Nobody sets out in life to be unhealthy. Uh, They don't want everything a wreck around them. It just seems to happen. Things just happen if you're not diligent. And I think that God has given us wisdom in the Bible. And the book of Proverbs is the most famous part of the Bible telling us about these about getting diligence. So what is diligence? What do you need in order to have diligence? Well, you need to be alert, attentive, and aware, for one thing. Alert, attentive, and aware. In those three things, just looking at it first, to be alert means that you're alert to dangers. You need to, to look around you. You need to make sure you're aware uh, and, and, and and paying attention because if there's a danger and you don't see it what's going it could happen that you could fall into the pit yourself. And that goes for every area of life. We uh, live at a time where there's unhappy people. we have visible and this is I'm not being political, please understand this. I'm not political, but there there is visible corruption. In our governments, and I say governments because it's and both parties. So all the there's there's visible corruption that if you want to look, you can see it, uh, and that diminishes the trust that people have in their own governments. And when this happens, uh, that also gives people a sense of fear because what are they going to do? You know, we can't trust this person, that person, those people, and and the news. Is on one side or another, you know, there's nobody neutral anymore. We don't have neutral news anymore. Everybody's got, you know, a side. So we, we don't know who to trust. We don't know, uh, we don't live in a time where we can just turn on the news and say, that's the news. That's the way it is, as Walter Cronkite used to say. So we now, and it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't necessary just the news then either, but we didn't know, know that. So we have to be alert, and, and that, that, that it requires from us some uh, keeping our head up, not having our head in the sand. We need to be trying to gain information, listening to people, uh, being attentive to people is another prospect uh, that we have to be attentive to, them. Listen. To people, people have an issue or problem, or they're hurting, or you know, listen to them. Listen to them, because God has a plan for your life to be an instrument to pay attention and help people. Last week's message was about Job as the as being a good citizen, and I was shocked when I was studying that message how much Job did. I mean, he was not just a guy well respected because he's rich. He was a man who. Took care of criminals, who was respected in society. He, he, he took part in his government. He took he was just a model citizen. Job was a fine man. And then he got all those things happen to him, and he, he it was hard on him. But I, I think that what he was is he was diligent. He was diligent. He paid attention and he paid attention to people and their needs. So that's what we ought to do is pay attention, be alert to dangers, and pay attention to people and their needs, because if we are aware of that, we will help people. And and, and then I said, be alert, be attentive, but also be aware of larger issues in society that could explain what's going on when you deal with people. There We live in a challenging time, do we not? Where literally we would not have known decades ago that we could carry a little tiny disc of a thing about this size and and it would have more tools on it than whole buildings in the past. If you don't think so, I, I can remember the day when if I wanted to travel somewhere, I had to go to the travel agency. And they had to do all that work for me. All I mean, I they had to get all of it planned out and prepared. I'd pay them a, a nice little fee, and, and they would print out all my papers and everything. And and now you can get on your phone, and with a couple of website memberships of travel places, you can literally just, with a click, not even a click of a button, you're not even clicking a button anymore. We don't have buttons. We just touch a screen, and boom, we've already got the trip planned in in 10 minutes. Isn't it crazy? Uh, This has been a a revolution, but it's also been negative because it's it's something that takes us away from paying attention to people. (laughs) We're not actually communicating with real people, with our real voices and looking at them with our real eyes. Young people today, I think, have been hurt by combination of the fact that so many of them were in schools wearing masks and they could not uh, see people, especially little children, couldn't see people uh, moving their lips. It's amazing how much you learn from seeing others with their expressions. And if they don't see that, it, 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 it retards their, their ability to, to do things. And by the way, that word uh, to retard is, we get the word tardy from it. It means slow down. Uh, and today, people get in trouble for saying somebody is retarded because that's an insult. These kids, you know, you don't get in trouble. Use the R word. They don't even use the word. But I use it because it's an English word. But, but the fact is, is that when you, we live in an age where language is changing almost on a yearly basis. Because when they came up with the word retarded, they did it to be nice. It was originally meant to be a clinical term to describe people in a nice way. And then guess what? It becomes a bad word, and and the latest word that they come up with will become a bad word too. Because language is fluid, it's changing, and we have seen this is confusing to people, and people are not diligent to even read and learn language anymore because what's the use? We just make up as we go and use the latest slang on the, the TikTok-y, you know, uh, whatever it's called. And and believe me, the kids get a laugh at that because they know what TikTok is. I don't pay attention to it, but they're on it all the time. They The fact is, is that these platforms though are changing all the time. The, the internet platforms are changing. Uh, it was one group one year, uh, one, and then it'll be another group the next. So they come and go. They're not always going to be popular. So that's maybe good news for those that are ne- not necessarily good for us. So being alert to the dangers uh, around you, to be attentive to people, and to be aware of the larger issues involved in our world, because uh, if I was to say, uh, "Are most of us middle class?" You would say, "Yes, we're middle class." And say, uh, "But what was what would our middle class look like compared to the middle class in Great Britain in Victorian England?" I'm gonna give you a few little comparisons. For instance, I, our middle class, uh, we pretty much pay for a lot of stuff, and, but we do a lot of things ourselves. We don't have a staff. In, the middle class in England had uh, lived in flats, which are called apartments, that's what they call apartments, in the, the western part of London. Now these flats, some of them are still there today. They're very nice looking ornate buildings. They were built about 160 years ago to 140 years ago. But they're nice brick and uh, sandstone buildings. They're really nice. And then they have like five stories so because they're crammed together like townhouses. Now what would happen is, is they had several servants living with them in the house so that these servants would wait on them and help them. And that was their job. They got paid. So they were paid room and board. They weren't slaves, but they were paid room and board to take care of laundry, to take care of the kitchen and cooking and all these things. How many of you can... Can't afford a staff to live in your upstairs. Can anybody, I mean, some of you can. I don't want you to actually say that. Some of you could. But I think the average middle-class person, it's a little bit beyond your budget to pay for the living of three or four people. And that's a middle-class person. Middle-class person. They could hire a cab. In those days, the cabs were, uh, they would just get in their horse and in and, 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 and car- be a draw- horse and carriage. They'd get in the carriage and the horse would drive them where they needed to, or they get into a cab. And that would be expensive if you had to pay for a cab everywhere you went. The the, the middle class people, uh, they always wore fine clothes and took their appearance with a degree of pride because they didn't go around slouchy. Now, I'm sure in our day, when you go to a public store, you, you never see anyone dressed in a slouchy manner, do you? (laughs) <laughs> it is amazing how casual, and I use that word lightly, <laughs> the, the people wear and their dresses if they're wearing anything at all, hardly. They, they, they're wearing whatever. So we, we've changed our whole culture. And this, this has to apply to how we deal with people because we, we have to deal with people as they are. We don't deal with people as we want them to be. And why did the middle class back then have manners? And why did they have certain propriety of social engagements? And they they always complain, oh, Victorian morality was so oppressive. Well, I think that ladies were ladies and men were men. I think that they actually had a lot less of the crimes that we have now. And I don't think that they had the problem with, uh, I mean, there's always been, People getting, having babies out of wedlock, that's always been a problem. It's not been something that hasn't been, but, but they had ways where they were able to, to prevent and lower those situations. Uh, and they had, they had chaperones on dates, by the way. So if you went on a date, you had chaperones. I'm sure uh, that changed in America a while back, but are we better off today? Not in every way, probably not. In some ways, yes. Certainly the Victorians might have had some self-righteous uh, standards and they may have looked down their nose at other people, but your reputation meant something in Victorian England. Today, y- your reputation seems to not really go far because people seem to just say blank, 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 blank and followed by other bad words to everybody else if, if, if they insult you. That's, 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 that's how they deal with people today. Sadness. So while we should be alert and attentive and aware, I do believe there are some practical things that we can do to be diligent. And one characteristic of a diligent person is that they are regular in creating systems and maintaining systems to deal with life. And they do this on a daily basis. Now. I do know for a fact that you've, most every one of us have had this experience. You, uh, you dread the big cleanup at springtime or wherever you whatever you're going to clean up, the garage, the basement, the closets, the rooms, whatever. Oh, I dread going in there and cleaning that up. Every one of us have had those moments. And when you get to those moments, you just roll up your sleeves, and you finally say, I'm going to do it. You know, it's, it's not so bad once you start it, but it's just getting started. So you get in there and you clean everything out and you find things. And uh, you find lots of stuff you didn't remember that you had. And, oh, there it is. That's what I was looking for in the past. But in the process of doing that, then you clean it all up. You feel good. But I want to assure you today that being a diligent person isn't about just cleaning up a space. We, we, we falsely... Convince ourselves that if I can clean up a space, that I am organized, diligent, and I've done a good job. Well, it is good to do that. It does feel good to clean up things and to have things in order. The old phrase is squared away, you know. That means things are in right angles and they look better than like the way I organize things. But uh, I will say that if you're only thinking of the space, What's going to happen a year from now if you haven't developed a system to deal with everyday things? It's going to look just like that the next time. And this is why we've done this to ourselves over and over again. We do the same thing because we haven't considered a system to deal with stuff. Did you know that God has invented so many systems to deal with things? Think about your bodies. Your body is a magnificent Uh, organism. It's filled with systems upon systems, a circulatory system to take the blood from the heart to the body and the pulmonary system, which gives oxygen to your blood, which gives oxygen to the body. And then you have the lymphatic system that that takes care of sending hormones and various uh, uh, anti-disease uh, organ, uh, cells so that they can fight off and help your immune system and fight off disease. You've, you've got uh, the muscular system, the skeletal system, the nervous system. I mean, I could just keep going. Each cell of your body has systems in, in them that are so complex that it, it, it really should be an embarrassment for any human being to say they believe in evolution when they say, Charles Darwin said we were based upon the simple cell. The only simple cell is a jail cell, and it's not too simple either. But literally, your body is complex. Each cell in your body is more complex than Carrierville, Tennessee. That's how complex your body is. And just do the research on it. It's amazing. So we have systems, and systems are designed to do one thing. Each system has a purpose. So if you want to be diligent, you need to say, well, I need to establish a system to deal with this, 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 and this. Now, I, I, I'm already overwhelmed. How in the world can I develop so many systems? And the, and the answer to that is, hey, you can only do what you can do now and today. You don't, it takes a long time to establish bad habits And it takes a long time to establish good habits, but you just start somewhere. And that's what diligence does to a person. When you are diligent, you are daily doing a little bit more to be on top of things than you did the previous day. And by changing a little bit in the positive every day, and establishing good habits over time, you become a diligent person, even if you don't have everything fixed up. Some of the most effective people in the world have messy desks or they've got things, kind you know, uh, looks like they're not all together, but they're functional because they prioritize and they make sure they get the main things done. And, and you've got to prioritize and make sure you follow the right example. Uh, there's a, I think it's it could be a Chinese story, but there's an old story that I read about. There's a man who was lazy, and uh, he 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 was he had an enemy who was a farmer. Who the lazy man was basically stealing some 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 farm products from the farmer. Farmer chased him into the woods, and he ran away and he hid. And when he was in the woods hiding, he saw a fox that was only had two legs, but it was still getting around, but it was just dragging around. He said, how in the world is that fox making it in life with only two legs? And then he saw, to his amazement, a lion come by. And the lion was carrying some meat in its mouth. And the the lazy man just knew that that lion was going to eat that fox, but instead the lion dropped off the meat for the fox, so the fox could live. So the lazy man thought to himself, huh, if I just stay here like this little fox, I know that the creator will take care of me. So he stayed there for two days waiting on somebody to bring him food, but nothing happened. So he finally got hungry and he left and he went back into the town and he found the wise man and he said, Mr. Why in the world? did I not get any help like that fox? And the wise man said, well, the problem is that you thought that you should follow the example of the fox, but the creator gave you that that incident so you could follow the example of the lion because it was a lion who was taking care of the fox. And I I think that if we'll reorient ourselves from me, 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 what I get, what I get, what I get, to how can I help you, 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 it's about you, 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 and helping the others, it's amazing how you get yourself squared away when you're trying to help other people. Also, you're less likely to be obsessed with your own problems when you know you're required to help other people. We have obligations to other people. It's not just about ourselves. And I believe God wants us to be responsible in doing these things. Okay, other factors about diligence that are quite important. A diligent person regularly, every day, is working, they're trying, uh, and they work well, they they work hard and rest well. So they work hard and rest well. Take a day off a week where you're not working so that you can reflect on the good Lord who gave you life. Give him the due glory, at least one day a week, where you take time physically to not have your schedule filled with everything. A diligent person is responsible in handling money. Be responsible in dealing with things because it's very clear that if you don't pay attention to your bills and you don't pay attention, then uh, it's, it's, you pay extra on interest, you pay extra on late fees and we've all, if you ever ever had a late book or, uh, or if you weren't paying attention to the traffic laws, how many of you just love getting tickets on the road and having to pay them and support your local government? <laughs> it's not fun to pay those bills. So a diligent person is, is gonna handle money responsibly and that is very important because you cannot earn more if you're not handling what you have. So I I find that if I handle money better, uh, even on the little things, it tends to be a little bit more left. Uh, But if I don't, then look out. But I will caution you that if you think that you can just magically think ahead of what you're gonna need, I can assure you there's gonna be something come up that you didn't realize that you need. So you need to also plan for the fact that there's going to be things that come up that you didn't even know were going to happen like a lightning storm that wipes out part of our sound system. You just, you never know. And be ready for it. Be ready for it. Uh, And and put some money aside for that purpose. Instead of being uh, grief-stricken or panicked over it, If you were diligent, you say, well, that's why we saved the money to deal with those circumstances so we don't have to be a burden to somebody else. Most of the panic situations are because people did not take time to be diligent to anticipate their problems and have an emergency fund that could help them. So that's a good thing to remember. Also, diligent people are resourceful in utilizing the things they have. Just because you uh, have money or you have the ability to buy new things, do you need a new thing? Do you need it? Because you just don't have to spend money just to spend money. It's good to use what you got. And it's amazing what resourcefulness can do for you. Uh, You can actually, I think it helps exercise your brain and makes you smarter and better for utilizing what you have if you can. And if you can't use it, then maybe give it to someone who will use it, That's actually, or sell it, and those are all good things. Jesus told a story about the sower went to sow his seed. It's in like three of the gospels, in three of the gospels, same story. He says some fell on the wayside, it was eaten by the birds, and some fell on the rocks and it sprouted up, but then it was didn't have any root and it died away, and some fell among the thorns and it got choked by the thorns, and did not bear fruit. But finally, one seed fell on the good ground and it produced fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what it originally was. Now, the part about the thorns was that he said that the deceitfulness of riches and the the problems of the world can choke the word. So if your problems, and my problems are, keeping us from god, keeping us from spending time with our creator, then that's making us unfruitful. And our number one diligence needs to be to be right with god. Give him the time of day. Give him your time, at least some of the day where you're you're taking time to talk to him and listen to him. Spiritual needs, be diligent about your spiritual needs because while All of us want an instant fix for our physical organization or our pocketbooks. I think that our number one need is our spiritual needs. And that means we need to exercise spiritual exercises, develop spiritual systems to deal with problems that we're dealing with. And it's amazing what God can do. If you use your creative creativity and you work with other Christians, you can do great things. So, we, we need to be diligent spiritually, personally, and physically. And, 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 it, and you must build whatever systems that you do build. And I want you to build at least one or two systems to, to say, okay, I got this problem. I'm going to solve this problem, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to worry about every other room in the house. Not going to worry about every other thing, but I'm going to fix this problem. <laughs> Make sure you fix that one problem. Feel good about that one problem and then fix the next one because I can tell you, we're like that story of Jesus. We get choked by all the things in the world. For for people who are just average people, we own so much. That's a lot of stuff people own and and we don't manage it well because it's overwhelming. So God wants us to be creating systems and that's what a diligent person does. The systems are built through thinking it through. And they need to be isolated to deal with one problem, okay? Don't try to solve every problem with that one system. This is one problem, solve that problem. And systems are more important than the space itself. So don't worry about the space, just make sure you're functioning well with that system. And then it'll get better over time. And I believe God wants us to do this. I think he wants, he says that the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. And I like that promise. That's a promise. That is a promise. Fully satisfied? How many people are really satisfied? I don't think people are living a satisfied life anymore. And I think God wants us to do it. So we need to free up time for the word of God, we don't need to have it choked out by the world. And I do believe God wants us to remember that Jesus did not leave behind a giant mansion that we pay $100 ticket to go visit. He, he, He didn't leave behind a bunch of jewels that we go into a museum and say, oh, here's what Jesus made for us. Although he made all the jewels, I should say. But he, He actually lived a very simple life by choice because his business was us. His business was us. He was the most diligent man who ever lived. He prayed to his father every day with his father every morning, every evening, and in the day. And he spent time with people. When he healed those people, don't think that he just waved his hands and said, okay, everybody in the village is healed, let's go on. They came to him and he saw and talked to every one of them. Thousands of people came to him for medical treatment and he treated them and he healed them. He healed every one of them. Except for the ones that didn't have faith in some of the sins, but that's a separate story. And, And think about how much time it takes to see that many patients. You ever been to a doctor? Ever had to wait? Jesus had good bedside manners, trust me. He was approachable and they organized it and he dealt with thousands and he wants us to make people our business to love him and to be diligent and i think god will help us we're all failures in some way but we can help encourage one another and those of you who are strong in certain areas of organization can help those of us who are not and i i'm better at some things than some of you and vice versa and we can help one another Iron sharpens iron, to quote another proverb. So does one friend sharpen another, and we can help one another. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Lord, I want to thank you for giving us life and giving us so many things, the abundance of things you've given us. You've given us prosperity. You've provided for us. But our lives in this current modern world are very complex and complicated. It's very difficult to handle the prosperity of our age because we have obligations that create stress and we don't handle that correctly. Lord, we all need our hearts to be filled with peace and we need to be diligent people so that we can narrow down our focus and do those things that are really important and then be able to properly Take from one day to the next what is our duty and take it seriously. Lord, thank you for taking the duty of dying for us on the cross seriously. And thank you for rising from the dead so that we have hope forevermore. And let us never stop thanking you for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen. So we will stand here and uh, we will sing a hymn of invitation together.